Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Honor Blitz, it's episode 325. Today we have a great show, two hours jam-packed of the Blitz. We are going to be talking to WFA legend and Team USA champion Adrian Smith on the George Floyd incident, uh, police brutality, anything to do with politics in terms of the police brutality situation. She'll be here in about 15 minutes. We're going to dive into the Hall of Famer uh, as well as the Team USA champion and three-time WFA champion as well. And then about an hour from now, we're going to dive into Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward coming in the house here, talking NFL news. We're going to be talking about the 2020 season for the NFL. We're also going to dive into, you know, what's going to happen to Kaepernick at this point, whether the NFL is going to take him back in some sort of uh, capacity. Um, We're going to dive into women's news and notes, Utah girls football action week one, week two. And if you missed it and haven't had an opportunity to go there, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties Friday night, Saturday, Friday night, Saturday, we got varsity Utah girls football, junior varsity, uh, junior uh, play as well as elementary play. So if you haven't uh, dived into it, you can go to the hub. Now get the link, go to the Utah girls football league on Facebook and you can see all the live matchups there in the live games. So there is women's football being played on this planet right now, and it is supplied by the youngest crowd on the globe, which is the Utah Girls uh, uh, Football League. So if you missed it, don't know where to go, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Uh, we got a lot of things happening there, uh, breaking news, inspiring stories. We got uh, – you know, updates, weekly updates from the best network on the planet, bar none. We are the best network on the planet covering women's American football globally. Uh, check out our IG today, uh, the talented Melissa uh, Sandu of the Molasses uh, Champions in France. So check it out on our IG at Gridiron Beauties on IG. And uh, she's uh, at Ensona underscore Yemayan. So you can check her out there at the IG Great Iron Beauties page. So thank you for going there and subscribing, uh, sharing our posts and all that as well. Um, I want to just give a disclaimer out. Um, we have Zazzle is our supplier, of course, um, just like anywhere else that uh, obviously is affected by COVID-19. Um, we've had some delay in shipments. So if you've purchased from our store, um, you've had probably a delay at some point. Uh, normally, there's a small amount of turnaround time for certain items. And because of COVID-19, other items uh, with their scope have been affected in terms of processing and uh, getting things printed. So I want to, you know, thank everybody that's obviously supported us for the longest time now. Um, I just want to make sure that we're clear in terms of, you know, when your shipments are going to get there. Um, they're going to do their best to try to get your shipment there, your apparel and everything else that is produced at Zazzle.com. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, some of the factories um, and they have factories, obviously, worldwide at this point, not just in the States. But for the most part in the United States, uh, where most of our fanfare is and most of our audience is, um, there, there is a delay, and there has been a delay. And so uh, I really appreciate you guys still being loyal to us, uh, really supporting Zazzle. Um, I got a message from them to make sure that all our, uh, all our buyers and all our fans 
uh, understand that they're still going to produce the apparel. Um, there will be some time frame, obviously, that is extended than normal. And unfortunately, that's where we're at now in terms of this whole pandemic and COVID-19. Uh, I really want to thank everybody that's loyal to us, that has shopped with us, has returned to shop with us. Um, every purchase that you purchase at the Zazzle shop, at the No Joke Football shop, gets recycled to spotlight another talented, a talented athlete in the sport. Um, we try to do that as much as we can to try to support. So as much intake as we can, then from there the intake gets taken care of, and then it goes to spotlight another talented athlete in the sport. So we have over 22 No Joke Football athletes right now around the globe, uh, just uh, amazing women that are passionate about the sport and trying to bring attention and spotlighting uh, that women do play American football and they do it at a high level. And that's what our brand stands for at a no joke football level. So I want to just kind of bring that up for you guys. I really appreciate you guys supporting us. Uh, Zazzle has actually supported us for almost eight years. They're the reason we're on the air. They are also the reason uh, why this podcast gets paid uh, for free. Uh, we support them. We supply them with some sales and it's a partnership that obviously helps bring awareness to the sport of women's tackle football. So I really, really thank everybody for doing that for us. If you have any other questions, you can always uh, inbox me at Green Iron Beauties. You can go to the No Joke Football brand page as well. But a pretty awesome, uh, exciting week in um, terms of the women's game as well. We had last, last uh, week or two, we had the Sin City Trojans uh, taking on the West Texas Seahawks, and they uh, start off their independent season 78-0. Coming up on June 27th, uh, Saint City, the Sin City Trojans will be taking on the Rio Grande Heat. That's going to be in Vegas uh, with our uh, Nojo football athlete QB, uh, Lexi DeMaio. Uh, she's going to be basically heading the Sin City um, Trojans as well as uh, Coach Devin Jones. So we're looking forward to that matchup as well, and hopefully that they get another win. That will be win number two for the season. All right, uh, so we're going to be diving into uh, – a lot of the things that are happening in, in the sport uh, coming in Ju July, we're going to be going overseas to Finland and taking care of the uh, SIJL season there. Looking forward to uh, spotlighting our other Nojo football athlete, Ellie Metzola, and she's playing out there with the uh, Alliances over in Finland. And so if you miss anything, uh, replays are always available. Um, I really want to thank everybody for bumping us up on Spotify. Uh, we're on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, really great on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate you guys doing that, subscribing there. Uh, Spotify has been trending up as well, and on iHeart, the biggest platform, obviously. And so we really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Subscribe and then share our posts, uh, replays, and all that. It really, really it helps us out, and it also helps us bring attention to the sport and uh, that women do play American football and people make, are made aware of it, that there's obviously a team in their location, their community, or there's even a, a team or a couple teams in their country. So it really, really helps out. If you are bored and you've gone exhausted your Netflix and everything else that's happening in the world, I uh, strongly recommend you can go to youtube.com forward slash gridiron beauties, youtube.com forward slash gridiron beauties. If you don't know where the link is, it's right on our description on our promo for the podcast at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. You get everything, videos, video, shared videos from everywhere, internationally, everywhere. So it's going to be, uh, you know, if you want some, some more content, you go there. Uh, it's everything from legends to traditional to European to 7 on 7, 999, you name it. 
go subscribe at the YouTube channel at Great Iron Beauties on YouTube. All right. Um, we are going to be uh, celebrating, hopefully everybody's celebrating uh, Pride Month as well here. Um, if you haven't, you know, dived into it, um, it's a great month. And give, given COVID-19 and given everything that's happening, obviously, with within the world scope, uh, especially with the George Floyd incident and everything else, sort of like on, a, on the back burner in a way. But we want to make sure that, you know, we're kind of spotlighting to make sure everybody's aware of it as well. Uh, you know, Pride Month is obviously uh, an annual event. It's been going on for a long, long time, since like 1969, um, when the Stonewall riots happened. And it's been a big event, especially like New York and major metro areas. Um, so the L- LGBTQ communities celebrate uh, in a different ways, awareness, uh, they bring attention, obviously political correct- uh, corrections um, if needed. And depending on the areas, it's, uh, certain affections, uh, get, they get affected as well. And change happens uh, with, obviously, lit- litigation and other things. So I want to make sure everybody's aware of the month so uh, you can support them in any way. If you have an, you know, an athlete or a team player, I know a lot of the uh, women's tackle football players, uh, a lot of them are LGBTQ. And obviously the majority uh, are them already know what they're doing. They, didn't, they support the platform. They do everything they can to bring awareness to themselves, obviously to their community, and ultimately to the sport. So really, really be mindful of that. So I want to just make sure everybody's aware. It's Pride Month. Uh, there's ways you can do support. You can spotlight talented athletes. You can bring attention to something political. Um, or you can just you know, completely just put up a, some sort of banner on your Facebook pages or your personal pages uh, or any on any platform at that point. So just to bring attention. So our own co-host, uh, Holly Custis, wasn't here today. Uh, we were wanting to get her on so she can kind of give us some history behind it as well. But uh, you can Google, uh, you know, the uh, Pride Month celebrations, and you can get your intake there in terms of uh, how it affects everything and, and the history of it and everything else. So there's a lot of things that have happened in a positive way, and there's also things that obviously are still uh, lingering. So it's things that still we, we can work on as a whole. And we, we need to just kind of be better at things and be positive and try to, you know, try to be as, as positive as we can in terms of our neighborhoods as well. And uh, so it's no different than anywhere else. Uh, when you have a concern, you need to bring it to, you know, your community first, bring it attention. Um, if it's right and wrong, we got to fix the wrongs. And if it's right, then we got to, you know, applaud the rights to make sure that we're good. But if you haven't, uh, you know, looked into it or wasn't aware of it for whatever reason because of COVID and because of everything else that has to do with police brutality right now with what's in the news. It's sort of like, it's a vacuum that just swallows news. And I just want to make sure that everybody's aware that it's Pride Month 2020. All right. So we're going to be going into the huddle and we're going to be talking pretty much uh, George Floyd and we're talking police brutality. We're talking politics in terms of how things can get fixed in, in, in a bigger way to make sure it's impactful um, we talked about um, last weekend, if you missed our podcast, you can get on replay, like I said, on iHeart, on Apple, and on Spotify. Uh, we talked to uh, Daniel Harvey and Sherry Owaga of the uh, Legends Football League, the two players that kneeled during the uh, Kaepernick uh, situation. Um, and so we talked to them extensively about that. If you missed it, it's 324. Go back and replay it. It's really interesting. It's about almost an hour and a half of conversation that we had. So it was really exciting to bring them on and kind of express uh, how they felt at the time when they were getting backlash internally, not, and then also getting backlash from the fan base. So that was kind of scary for them in that sense too, 
because they were just uh, doing what they thought it was right. And um, they were going against, obviously, what a lot of people felt was uh, kind of an insult to you know, not stand for the flag and all that. Um, so, but they decided to do the, the, uh, the opposite. So you go to uh, 324 on episode 324 and you kind of get the replay there. Really appreciate you guys uh, doing replays, subscribing to our podcast as well. So it uh, helps us out and it helps us bring attention not just to women's uh, American football, but in general, just so that everybody's aware that the sport does exist too, not just in the States, but globally as it stands right now. All right, um, we're going to be diving into the legendary Adrian Smith right now, and then uh, we're going to be diving in later, like I said, with Nate Ward and Mackenzie Brooks on NFL News. And I'm kind of excited. We're going to be talking about Utah Girls Football League uh, at the last uh, 30 minutes or so of the show. So really, really awesome. So let's bring in uh, Adrian Smith of the uh, champion Boston Renegades, WFA champion as well as Team USA champion in the house here. Adrian, are you there? Hi there. Yes, Oscar. How are you? How you doing, Adrian? I hope you're well. I'm good. You can hear me okay? I just want to make sure. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, Adrian, <laughs> I was just going to bring you on. Uh, last weekend I had, um, you know, the two players in Legends Football League that obviously kneeled and got some backlash. And, you know, it was all during, the uh, obviously, the cap uh, situation that happened within the NFL scope. And, um, you know, they were expressing some of the, obviously, things that happened to them internally in their league and, obviously, the the fans' backlash, you know, some of it positive, some of it obviously negative. Um, but let, I, mean, I want to bring you on because it, you've been a kind of a figurehead in terms of a, a person with, uh, you know, insights and things like that. And who better to kind of speak to in terms for the WFA in general and, obviously, women's football in general. Um, some of the things that obviously are happening here, uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, politics in general, as we talked about last last podcast. But overall, mm-hmm. it's a message that, you know, obviously it keeps happening and something has to be done about it. So give me your perspective on, you know, hey, uh, you know, when you saw the George Floyd incident, I mean, what, what, what went through your mind and all that? Uh, it was very painful to watch. Um, not just for the fact that we are literally watching what is colloquially known as a snuff film, a a movie where you watch someone being killed. So we're literally watching that occur, and it was horrible in and of itself, but then there's the added pain of being a black American and knowing that that scene has occurred for 400 years. So it was and still continues to be this crushing feeling. Um, I think the only bright spot is that it is no longer a crushing feeling just for black Americans and that Ahmaud Aubrey's murder Breonna Taylor's murder and George Floyd's murder have become a tipping point of sorts and that now not just black Americans, but a majority of other Americans, other racial groups in America, and then a large number of global citizens have joined us in our cry for equality and for justice. And that, offers some bit of a reprieve 
for what we've suffered for hundreds of years. Adrian, do you feel like because we have social media that this is somewhat more impactful in that sense? It's more like a media attention because back in the days in the 60s or 70s or even 80s, there was no, you know, on blast or instant, you know, type of impact at this point. We'd either have it through the media or the print, right? Either newspaper or we'd have it through a media, but it wasn't like on a, on a scale where, as you're pointing out, where it's kind of like, you know, you're getting support beyond the borders, in other words, not just within your country. Absolutely. So technology has uh, played a large role. I'm sure everyone who's familiar with social media has seen uh, the quote from Will Smith, not, you know, that racism just didn't occur. Racism racism has now uh, begun being filmed. And because of, you know, the advent of technology of, of blacks being able to have cameras, video recording instruments in their hands, we're now able to show and to provide proof of what has been going on for hundreds of years. And social media is definitely a leveling platform. So now it's not just that certain uh, news outlets or television outlets are able to control a narrative and to determine, well, what should be covered and what is or isn't news. Now it's more of a democratic situation in that if you have a phone, you can record something, you see something going on, you can immediately upload that to multiple platforms and it can be viewed around the world almost instantaneously. And that has, uh, you know, can translate into be, being a huge spotlight that allows the, 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 the prevents the darkness that has been covering these issues and these incidents that have been occurring again consistently for 400 years. We finally have a big of enough flashlight to shine it and to reveal, unfortunately, what a certain group of people, what black people have had to endure for centuries. Adrian, um, I'll, I'll play uh, the opposite here. Uh, it doesn't happen in my backyard. So why should I care? I don't see it in my backyard. So why why the big yeah. big deal over it, right? That's literally like right. I saw like we talked to Daniel Harvey last weekend, right? Like she says, mm-hmm. yeah, because what happens is, um, you know, if you're in a certain area, uh, that it just cools down and then eventually nothing happens, right? So it's like, oh, okay, just that's the attitude, right? That's when it starts to die out. Nobody starts, and then what happens is. A month or a month, a year or whatever it's going to be, or weeks, mm-hmm. then we have another incident, right? Because everybody just decided, okay, it doesn't happen in my backyard, for example. Right, and you know that's what's what's remarkable about what's happening now. It it really um, is also due to the coronavirus pandemic being in full force. So because of that. We couldn't get distracted because you're right. This has been occurring, as I've been saying, for hundreds of years. There might be a little blurb in the newspaper in, like, you know, 1910s or 1920s or even in, you know, the 20th century. You would see Rodney King's video, and then there would be rioting, and mm-hmm. then it would go away because it was easy for the U.S. population, the majority of the U.S. population who were not affected personally by this, to sweep it under the rug or to turn on the television, to go see a movie or to go watch whatever sports was on at the time and just ignore it because they did not have to uh, face what was occurring. But because of the pandemic, everything was shut down. There was nothing else that could be inserted as as a distraction to prevent people from having to face the truth. And because of that, 
I think there was a lot of clarity, and I think there were a lot of people who had decided themselves that enough was enough. Because we've all, as Americans, been under duress, I would say, for the past three years. Uh, the current administration, there's been just mixed messaging, what's true, what's not true. Uh, and everyone's just feeling as if that there's some sort of chaos going on and that you know, people seem to be you know, lying, getting thrown in jail for lying, but then getting pardoned for having lied. And I think there was just an overall uh, sentiment of unrest. And just this feeling of what is right anymore, what is wrong anymore, and that, that people just keep getting away with doing wrong and with harming people without consequence. So finally, I believe George Floyd's uh, murder was just this visual representation of the good guy just literally getting the life squeezed out of him. And I think surprisingly, a lot of people resonated with that because at some level on some level they were feeling the same way do you feel at this point um you know we do we go to the narrative every cop is crooked or do we go with the narrative that some police some police has to be assessed you know by a community oversight i mean how do we fix it in other words because we can't just put a blanket and say all cops are you know are brutal right all cops are assaultants not going to be that it's not no, happening and, that way. And, and, but no, there is a, a percentage that obviously that corrupts a certain like for example in minneapolis right uh if you if you mm -hmm. do do the research all right there is a history right of like the squad and the area the every you know in other words when you unravel everything there was a big problem there in terms of like yeah. how they assessed the community and how they you know took care of that and obviously george floyd is an extreme i mean I'm a military police guy, former guy. You would never do that. You would never put a knee on a person on the ground. You know what I mean? And then when I looked mm -hmm. at the video, they, they had him in a squad car, right? So I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself, what did they do? Did they drug him in the car? And then at that, at that point, he was literally kind of sedated, and then they just shoved him on the ground and then just, you know, because it's like he had no real uh, effort to come back and fight, you know, because normally a normal person, you know, you try to you try to push them down onto the ground, right? Especially if it's asphalt and it's hot or whatever the case may be, nobody's going to take that. Nobody's going to sit there and just, right? But if they're sedated or something, uh, I, I just think it's fishy in that way, right? When you start looking at it, uh, he's a big guy and he couldn't fight back. So there's, there's a lot more to it that we don't know yet. In other words, like when it comes down to it, well, all we know is that obviously that wasn't the right way to deal with it. And normal protocol, normal protocol was out of, they didn't even do normal protocol, technically. Right. I think there's two things you, you brought up. Um, the first was we can't just say all cops are bad. And then the second part I really want to hone into, hone in on is that you said a normal person, if you tried to push them down on the asphalt, they would fight back. And I think that mm -hmm. statement right there is what we're getting at. I don't know how you as a normal person would think that. But for me as a black person, if there are cops around me and they are going to push me down to the ground, I'm going down. I'm not going to resist because in resisting, then it escalates everything. And that's something that I think, unfortunately, um, you've heard about black parents having to talk to black children about how to interact with the police. That would not be my mm -hmm. first move, Oscar. At this point, I'm like, no, right, man, right. 
I just have to be docile and hopefully hope to God that even when I'm cooperating, and I think that's what these videos that are popping up are showing, they're constant. there's more and more every day that are being posted from people that just didn't post them before, or they did post the videos, but they got lost because it was so easy to just uh, deflect and to just Delete. pretend like it wasn't, it didn't exist, it, right? So all of these yeah. videos popping up, you see black men and women not resisting, please, you know, speaking um, with, with respect and still getting abused, still getting arrested for simply existing. So I, I definitely want to underscore that. No, you as a normal person, sure. perhaps that's what you would do. Me as a black woman, I would not. I would be like, sir, whatever it is, that's just whatever you say it, it is, that's what it's going to be. I comply, et cetera, because I don't want to get smashed up. I don't want to get killed. I don't want to get raped. So let's just do whatever it is you're saying needs to be done. That was the second point you brought up. The first point, of yeah. course not. Not all cops are bad. Of course not. No one is saying that. What is being said is that there is a clear pattern that certain police officers, who everyone knows uh, are bad, are allowed to continue to do uh, perform improper behavior without consequence. I liken this to the Catholic Church. Not all priests are pedophiles. However, there there is a significant uh, amount of priests, a significant number of priests are pedophiles. And instead of removing them, the Catholic Church simply shipped them from parish to parish. It's the same thing that's occurring in this country with the bad apples, the bad cops, the bad actors. It doesn't have to be if you have a cop that has 18 prior violations of what that person needs to be removed. In the same way, if there's a priest molested 18 kids how it's time to remove that priest i think we can all agree on that oh yeah that's just that's that's pretty that's why it was like it blows my mind that the union the police union as an example didn't address this at count number two you know what i mean it's like at count number two but i really think it has to do internally right you got the da office you got the judges you got you know who knows who I mean, I don't want to like people say, "Oh, you're you're being a conspiracy theorist." No, I I really think there's true corruption in certain areas. There's corruption. People cover it up under the rug. They, like you said, they just they decide it's not going to be enough or whatever, and they kind of just let it go, and they don't fix the problem. Um, you know, Sherry uh, last weekend on on our other podcast said, uh, "Are we vetting these police officers, or are we just?" You know, we're giving everybody a uniform. You know, like certain certain professions have a certain amount of time frame that before you graduate, yeah. right? Cops sometimes you get right. them off the street six months six months into the into the job and they're in. There's no like mm-hmm. long term, you know, training for psychology. There's no long term training for you know any type of uh, community guidelines and things like that. So, are we like? Correct. In other words, is the issue really the police union and maybe the mayors or or do we need to have like some sort of a a real rigid, hey, you can't just be a cop because we, just, we need cops, right? It's like you just fill an application, right. you're good to go. You you pass the physical test, and then you go into your training, and then you pass all this, and all of a sudden you're on the force, you know, as an example. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think there are um, concepts that are arising and that uh, governments different in, in different cities throughout the country are coming up with some very interesting solutions 
Um, you know, in, in other countries, as you said, you can't just become a cop in six months or you have to have a minimum of a bachelor's degree in order to become a police officer. And that shifts certain mindsets. But, I, you know, I also like the concept um, that's arising that we cannot expect officers to, you know, protect and to be in a position where, if necessary, they do have to arrest someone or they do have to take someone's life and then also be that same person who has to speak to someone with mental illness or who has to perform the, the role of a social worker and talk to uh, a married couple that's on the verge of some type of domestic violence situation, that within that one role of police officer, we're asking them to do, you know, five to six other jobs. And so the concept of really breaking out, you know, what does 911 mean? When we have 911, you can call the police for criminal activity. You can call uh, the ambulance for someone who needs medical assistance. And then, you know, if there's a fire, you call the fire department. It would be a matter of adding other um, functions to the 911 call. So if there is someone who looks like or sounds like they are mentally disturbed, that we have a new department, a new group of, of folks who can come out and handle that type of situation. I think we need to get uh, more creative and more specific in, in designing how we're responding to situa situations that are occurring out of the norm. I think that's the way to go. And it cannot just be, all right, send in the cops. But that's not the situation that we need right now. We need someone with mental health training not someone who, you know, had six months of now, you know, this is how you use your gun. That's the difference. And I think the, the case in point is with um, Rayshard Brooks. He was right. asleep in his car at the Wendy's. Right. Just let him sleep. What, yeah. Why Why go through all of that? And, and I, I'm, I'm sure, Oscar, you saw the footage of the 40-minute interrogation mm -hmm. that the, the officers gave. That, that just wasn't, that, that really wasn't necessary at all. I will tell Especially you firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was saying I can tell you firsthand um, how people basically perceive a certain police force. When I was at the Rodney King riots for three weeks, um, the LAPD was basically viewed as bullies all over the city. Mm. So when we came mm -hmm. in, you know, they're shooting. They're shooting at back at you know when they do uh, counterfire. When they're doing counterfire at that point, they weren't even shooting at us. They were trying to hit anybody wow. in blue because of wow. the fact that they already had in, instigated, right, this normality mm -hmm. where, like you said, an average person, like, didn't respect the uniform. They just basically yeah. didn't care for the uniform. They already assumed that the uniform was dirty and that they were going to, you know, they were going to do something malicious. And mm -hmm. it was pr mm -hmm. pretty much proven in that aspect of it. That was the reason that, mm -hmm. you know, you have that aspect of, where is the union? That's my attitude. It's like my attitude is really accountability. It's like where do we account, uh, you know, where do we land accountability? You know, the police chiefs, I don't care what color you are. If it's right and, or if it's wrong and it's wrong, then you got to have accountability. you got to have accountability. There's a process for accountability. And mm -hmm. it didn't happen, at, you know, at Rodney King. That, that's why we had to go in there and sort of create a police state for calmness. And that was kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. because of the fact that, you know, the community no longer respected the force. And when that happens, it's right. not just one bad apple. 
that just means there's plenty of bad examples of bad apples and you ruin you know you ruin basically the image of the police force and what policing is supposed right. to be about not yeah right that's true and and in in the Rodney King situation if you're and just that's uh, something from I guess quote unquote the modern era but if you move up to even this year the real problem is how do black people as a community trust the quote unquote organization that's supposed to protect and serve when it is clearly not protecting black people it is killing black people it is incarcerating black people for profit i'm not sure if you're aware of this but um there was an ongoing case i believe it was finalized last year of a judge in new jersey who was getting compensated by private prisons to send the the black teenage boys okay so you Mm -hmm. know who came into this courtroom he would send them to those prisons he would, he would so that's why I'm saying it's like there's so much internal corruption in terms of the politicians. Let me finish for those people who don't know the story. So this judge yeah, was paid per boy he sent. Paid. Wow. He received thousands and thousands of dollars to send these teenagers to prison to, to give them maximum sentences so that they would go to these private prisons where you are a slave. And for those people who need more background information, please look at Ava DuVernay's documentary called 13th. It is about the 13th Amendment, which allows slavery to continue. It states that no person in the United States can be enslaved unless they commit a criminal offense. So, if you happen to have a broken taillight and you get arrested for that and you're thrown in jail and you cannot make bail or you get any type of defense attorney to get you out, you are sent away to prison where companies profit off of your free labor. So this judge, I'm glad you're aware of it, Oscar, this judge, he finally was sentenced to prison, but it's been going on for years, years. And you know he's not the only one. He's the one who got caught. So right. in this that's, instance, that's why I'm saying there's so much corruption. It's like it, it makes you vomit when you start looking at all these underlinings. And you would think that you, you think the justice system is plain, you know, black and white, right? True, false, we're good to go. No, there's like so much uh, internal, you know, just political everything in that that you just basically – Sometimes you have to turn around, and, and I, I get your point, you know, because if you're a person of color, like to your example, there's a higher percentage opportunity where there is no opportunity. You're just going to get the verdict, and you're done. There's, like, no second chances of any sort, right. and it depends on everything that's happening. And, I, and the lawyers, I mean, the, the thing that blows my mind is we have lawyers, defense lawyers, whatever, and none of these people really want to do the right thing because they all have to profit in some way, right? If they get a verdict, they mm-hmm. profit off somebody else's money. Uh, the judges are mm-hmm. profiting, off, like you said, off the system where somebody's uh, under the table, whatever the case may be. Um, so it's, you know, it just makes you sick. It makes you sick that to the point where when you start really diving into all this, it sort of like makes you pissed off all the time. Gets you pissed off. 
Well, yeah, uh, that is my life experience. So, again, it's interesting where you said you would think that the justice system is supposed to be, you know, well, let's check this, this is right, this is, this is wrong. But mm-hmm. for me, I know the conversations my parents had with me as early as when I was three, um, kinder- preschool, kindergarten, I've never believed that the justice system would be fair. I've never believed right. that this world would be fair. I've always worked under the assumption that I had a known enemy and an unknown enemy, an enemy I could see if that person were brave enough to be racist, but more likely an enemy that I couldn't see. So for me, I've never approached this as being work as hard as I can. I try to do the best as I can in, in all areas of my life. And then we just see what happens. And that's it. In business, in business, um, Adrian, you've, you've probably been the only person of color in the room, right, at some point or another in your lifespan? You've probably been the only person. After my whole life. My, my whole no, life. No, I know. And it's, that's, it's, that's why yeah. I was talking to Danielle mm-hmm. last weekend, where, you know, a lot of people like myself or other people have never experienced that, right? Totally never experienced mm-hmm, that. Because mm-hmm. I'm in California, right? Um, like, you know, to my point earlier, I don't see it. I guess it'll just go away, right? Because we're so right. diverse mm-hmm. here that if we don't have that, if, in other words, if we don't have the record of shootings, if we don't have the record of, right. you know, uh, in, police brutality, you know, any, if it's not front and center in our faces, in other words, what I'm trying to say is we have a tendency mm-hmm. to say, okay, we're, we're so diverse that it's not going to happen here because we all love each other here, right? That's kind of like the attitude. Right. Um, the other mm-hmm. attitude is, I'm out in the boonies, right? Uh, it, it only happens in Los Angeles. It doesn't happen in right. San Jose or Monterey, right? And so right. Uh, I think a lot of times we don't we don't experience somebody else's pain unless you know mm-hmm. somebody. You know, like for me, Correct. it's like somebody told me, "Hey, you know, this is the opportunity that the blacks uh, blacks uh, men do," mm-hmm. and then they get they get they get thrown in jail more often than whites or whatever as an example right Mm -hmm. so to me it's always have to look at the facts okay was it a crime committed or was it just you know the Mm -hmm. police were just intentional right you go to that kind of mentality but when I was in the service as an example you know I never looked at color because when we go to the service Mm -hmm. it's like when I was in the military you know I'm on the chopping block no matter whether he's white black or red if we go into fire uh, if we go into combat whatever the case may be I'm not thinking about Mm -hmm. color I'm not thinking about anything. I'm thinking about how am I going to get the hell out of here alive, right? And how is he going to get out of here alive? Because we're wearing Mm -hmm. the same uniform. It's like, but a lot of people in in society, and I'm talking about citizens, you know, in general, citizenship, depending on the area that you live in, um, a lot of of people will do the blind thing, right? They'll just go, hey, well, they don't have to deal with it in New York, right? Because that's where it happened. Mm -hmm. Or Minneapolis, that's their thing, because they're a rotten community, and they obviously you know, right. brutalize blacks all the time. Um, so I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do in that sense where the mindset uh, has a tendency to kind of sway easily. In other words, they don't even think of, they don't, they don't even have a second thought about maybe diving in or researching or doing something to kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, what's, what's happening, right? They just kind of go, hey, it's their problem, not ours. We're moving on with our lives pretty much. Right. And I would agree that that, that was the case um, for the majority of uh Americans, white Americans up until this year. And that's why I say this Mm -hmm. is something special in 2020 because that sentiment has shifted and there seems to be 
a larger portion of those people who normally would have been like, ah, that's over there, that's not my problem, or, you know, that's unfortunate for them. It seems as if there's this wave of empathy that has uh, uh, taken over the United States, and there seems to be a solidarity in saying enough is enough. And again, I think it just goes back to three years of having to deal with uh, an administration that seems to be talking out, you know, both sides of their mouths and and just seems to have no regard for uh, morality, uh, for decency. Um, And I think that has um, caused people to, to, to feel certain emotions and to experience similarities that the black community has been enduring for you know, for centuries. And so Brianna, Ahmad, and George were, were that last straw. And everyone mm-hmm. was like, you know what? We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't pretend that we don't see anymore. We can't act like that, you know, that this isn't just egregiously wrong. And we want to do something about it. We, we, we want to join in on these protests. We want to ensure that black lives matter uh, because it, it lends itself to people want to say all lives matter. And yes, they do. And in order to ensure that, black lives have to matter because as of this moment, um, if we're looking at a totem pole, black lives are at the bottom. Um, and I think that's what lends itself to to this, this, this wonderful change of, of solidarity that we're seeing, not just in this country, but around the world. So, Adrian, uh, you oust Trump in November. Okay. Let's say that's reality and it happens and everything's good to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Police brutality go away if you bring in Joe Biden. Uh, yes, and it has nothing to do with Joe Biden. And I, I really believe that another positive thing coming out of this whole situation is that people now realize the importance of government and the importance of selecting qualified individuals at the federal, state, and local level. I think above anything, before up until this point, uh, the majority of Americans thought that, you know, government just ran. It ran on its own and that it didn't matter who you picked because it's just this huge machine that will keep trudging along. But, you know, after this administration, uh, I think it was a wake-up call to a lot of people that we just cannot put any old Tom, Dick, or Harry in any position, whether it's the Supreme Court, which is picked by the president, whether it's the presidency, whether it's your governor, whether it's your mayor, um, we have to be focused. and We have to ensure that we are voting for qualified people. So, uh, so yes, Adrian, hopefully Biden. If you got mm-hmm. one party rule, if you have one party rule, do you problem on the one party rule? There's a lot of states that have one party, either a Democratic Party, there's a Republican Party rule. You know, in other words, where do you pin the issue? Because politicians are not. Uh, good for results. They're good for talking points. They're good to trigger your mindset to say, vote for me, get me in office. And then ultimately when they get in, they do not get results. 
They do not go to do the dirty work. Uh, I they see, just I, wait I, for another I cycle. I agree with that. I'm disagreeing with I'm just that. Saying, I'm, I'm not saying in a blanket. Point. I'm just saying there's certain there's certain areas of the country that have suffered under one party rule for a long time, even before this administration, before the previous administration. I'm talking about generations, in other words. Like there's generations of where there's one party rule that the issue still exists. In other words, no matter how much money you put into it, no matter how much you know attention you bring to it, there's like nobody wants to go in and do the dirty work. As, as uh, Sherry was pointing well, out. Okay, why don't we get community uh, organizations to oversee the police, right? Why can't we set up a some sort of, a, uh, what do you call it, a community type of group that obviously assesses any shootings or assesses any type of wrongdoing, right, or brings attention to the to the police force in terms of how things are being administered locally at the community level. What I'm saying is, like, on a national scale, you could be loyal to one party. That party probably isn't going to fix the issue no matter how loyal you are to one party. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like when it comes to politics, the results aren't there. I mean, even if you have certain, a certain figurehead, I don't think of Washington as anything but a, a, just a voice of just for votes. I really think for me, it starts in my community, like you know where I live at. I'm holding the mayor accountable. I'm holding the district representative accountable, right? I got to hold the police chief accountable. Those are the three people that I personally – have to hold accountable because I'm close to it. I can go to the city meeting. I can go to a city hall. I can go directly in their face on their monthly meetings when they have their briefings, uh, things like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like, because everybody expects the big gorilla to me, the big gorilla in Washington, whoever's in the party, whoever's in the big gorilla is just a puppet. They don't do much. They can voice things. They can, you know, say things, but you're not going to change, you know, brutal shootings in certain communities or pedophile wrongdoings in certain communities, unless you know, local people take actions, but they hold people accountable. You know, the mayors, the district representatives, the senators, et cetera. So uh, a, a few things. I'm going to disagree with you in terms of it is important at every single level that people educate themselves about and vote on the most qualified person. Your, your, your argument or your question of one-party rule, I just consider that moot. I just want to put that to the side. I think it's, you're bringing in something that does not address or have anything to do with the issues you're speaking of. What I said, we need to be voting not just for the presidency, which I think most people are like, oh, yeah, I will vote for whoever the president is, but I'll mm-hmm. skip the governor. I don't care about the mayor. Right. I don't care about, you know, the council person or congressman or congresswoman. And I think that was the case up until 2016, and now here we are at 2020. I do believe the majority of Americans, as I stated before, just felt as if government's government. It's just going to be what it is. It just goes on. It really doesn't mean anything or do anything until 2016, until we had someone in office who brought an administration that has wreaked havoc. And now all of a sudden people are saying, wait, what is going on? How is this man doing this? What is happening? How can he just get some special forces to push out peaceful protesters in Washington, D.C.? And folks are angry and they're also a little nervous. And so I believe they're going to take that awakened sense of, wow, voting is important. I need to play a more active role as a citizen I believe they're going to take that to the polls. And what I'm stating is it should not just be voting for who's president. You need to be voting for who is your governor, 
who represents you in the Senate and in Congress. And as you said, who is your mayor? I do believe now this was a good slap in the face in terms of how important it is to vote and elect qualified people. I think that is something that is tremendous coming out of this whole treacherous situation. Yeah, and that's why I'm, I, that's why I said earlier too that you know I don't like to me personally none of the, none of the national things affect me. I don't care about that. I care about my district representative in my local, you know, where my house is located. I care about the mayor, right? Who's in the, who's going to be empowered mayor because it's going to affect my taxes, it's going to affect my bills, it's going to affect my family schooling, right? District changes, everything else. It's going to affect me right there in the pocketbook. It's going to affect me financially. It's going to even affect me emotionally if that's the case. So, yeah, to your point, mm-hmm. we really have to, you know, dive into the the voting in terms of like assessing the person of who is going to take charge, who's going to make, who's, whose promises are they going to keep? In other words, like uh, politicians mm-hmm. are known for promises. We're going to promise this. We're going to take care of this. We're going to do this. We're going to take care of you. We're blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then when they get in, nothing happens. That's why we have to hold them to the fire. You know, once they get in office, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell my, my friends and neighbors, hey, you got to go to the city council meetings. You got to go to the mayor's meeting. It's no different than mm-hmm. a doctor's appointment, right? It's that important because it could affect you. If you have a small business, yep. they make a decision on taxes, they make a decision on some sort of, you know, legislature, all of a sudden you get a, a really awakening. Why are they doing this? Why did they do it to me? Because you weren't part of the, you know, the fighting counter voice. You had a voice mm-hmm. and try to, you know, bring attention to it. Um, where do you think we get to uh, at this point, Adrian, how do we get to a stage mm-hmm. where, um, I know Danielle, Danielle and Sherry last, last, uh, last podcast, they said, hey, why don't we try what New Jersey tried, which was uh, kind of a community policing type mentality Candid. where everybody mm-hmm. on the force has to be from the no- local neighborhood. There's like no policing from the mm-hmm. outside. In other words, it has to be locally centered. In other words, whoever you hire as a police officer, go through the training, get their stuff, but they have to be homegrown. So they, so they kind of have, a, you know, sort of responsibility to their own neighborhood, I guess, or their own little region or district. And they understand the people, they understand the community, uh, things like that. Because to their point, we got police officers that have never grown up in the area. And now, you know, they come into this area and they just assume they can bully people or they can take over, you know, that kind of deal where they're like, they're Mm -hmm. outsider mentality, in other words, and have no uh, love or loyalty for the community that they're actually supposed to be serving, in other words. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's a, a great idea. Again, I think there are a lot of solutions that are being floated around uh, throughout the country, and um, I'm eager to see how mayors and how local officials assemble them together uh, in, in a way that best fits their location. Um, I know here in New York City, one thing I'm a little bit dismayed about is it looks as if um, our uh, our budget uh, for the city is going to cut out our summer youth em- employment program. And I think it's a balance of, yes, we need to have homegrown police officers. We need to have police officers that have uh, sustained lo- uh, longer periods of training and, and or may have uh, achieved higher levels of education. But at the same time, we need to give our youth uh, hope. We need to give our youth skills. And uh, with one of my companies, Harlem Hip Hop Tours, 
I, we actually participated in the summer youth employment program. And I remember we were able to have, I think it was like, we've had four, maybe four to seven uh, youth come through our doors and learn about business. And it, it's, education is, is power, it's freedom, it's opportunity. When you see that you can achieve something, when you, you have someone who invests in you and helps you develop your natural talents and gifts, you are more likely to want to pursue uh, a, a life on the, the path of the, the straight and narrow, so to speak. You're more interested in developing your talents and less interested in what's going on in the corner or, you know, what other activities you, you might get into in your neighborhood. So I think there's a balance. It's not just about we have to police, police, police. Well, what are you policing? Who are you policing? If we have programs for, for kids, for young people to positively engage in, they don't have time to commit crimes. So they're over here trying to learn how to do, you know, a, a business plan or trying to learn what EBITDA is. Like there are other ways to engage our communities. Do you feel like the educational system has failed us as a whole? Do you feel like that's where it starts uh, at this point? Because public schooling has yes. wasted a lot of dollars. We do lotteries to supplement the school. Teachers union apparently can't find money to, you know, pay off the teachers. I mean, there's just a, lot of a lot of intangibles when it comes to education. There's like a lot of things that are like barriers instead of just moving forward. I mean, I know for, my, for myself in my area, okay, I, I, would, I have no problem buying a backpack for my kid, but do I still have to supply for school supplies? So what happens? You can't fire three gardeners to supplement the school supply budget for the year, and you're telling me you have no money? And apparently we have a California lottery that's supposed to support that type of initiative. What I'm saying is like, where is the money? That's literally what I broke it down to. Where is the money? Why isn't, mm -hmm. why isn't school supplies and having the tools for the kids more important than supplementing, you know, the administrators or supplementing some gardener to maintain the, the facility as an example. But mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it just blows your mind how the, the mindset isn't for the kids. It's more like, Hey, the, the budget is this and we, we don't have enough money for the budget. So that means the kids and the school supplies get left behind. So you still have to supply that as a parent every year, which is what? Right. Well, there's, there's, there's two points I'd like to make about that. Where is the money? And I'll tell you where the money is. It's with these billion-dollar corporations that are not paying taxes. Or if they are paying taxes, it's less than 10% because they are finding loopholes in our tax code. So if we could just have all of our corporations paying at least 10%, I forget what uh, the Trump administration brought it down to, I forget which exact percentage, but if we actually had these corporations paying taxes every year, like you have to, like I have to, then we'd have plenty of money to fund. Our but I'm asking but where I'm my money's going. going. That's my question. Oh, where's well, my money going? Because the money's I going somewhere. Speak. Even if it's a little bit of money now, where's my money going? Because apparently you're claiming you have no school supplies. That's my, <laughs> that's my beef. It's like, okay, what? Yeah, I'm I giving you money. I, my I money, the lottery money, the governor said he's giving it's ridiculous. I cannot speak to what's going on in your school system, your state, where that money is. I can only say we could be funding our kids and their education easily if we actually had corporations paying taxes. So that's one. The other point you asked me about was, has the school system failed us? 
And I would like to say that the school system is responsible for indoctrinating um, the lack of awareness of white privilege and also implicit bias. So now, what's my example? All of a sudden, everybody now knows what Juneteenth is. All of a sudden, because Trump wanted to hold a rally on this Friday, June 19th in Tulsa, people are now aware of the Tulsa massacre that happened 99 years ago. So do we give them credit for bringing it to our attention? Do we give them credit for bringing it to our attention? Because nobody else was bringing it up before then. So I'm just saying, do do we give them credit? No, we did not give credit for that. What we do realize is that there is implicit bias and systemic racism built into the educational system. So when, you know, we're asking, well, how come people don't know and white privilege and why, you know, why are black people complaining so much? Because history has been whitewashed. We are teaching kids from kindergarten all the way up through seniors in high school that life was a certain way. And we are, we are complicitly ignoring the suffering of Chinese Americans. We're talking about the West Coast and all of the, the work they put into building out that West Coast and the, the railway system to Mexican Americans, to Black Americans, to Native Americans. We have completely obfuscated, just completely denied their existence. So now when these students, these children get into the real world, they are oblivious as to what has happened and as to, you know, whose shoulders they're quote-unquote standing on economically. So, Adrian, do we blame the teachers' union for not putting the curriculum in the right way? They got a lot of money. Uh, They they donate to political parties all the time, and they can't seem to get school supplies for the kids. But they'll donate to political parties on either party. So here's where where I am. Millions and millions of dollars, and then all of a sudden we have nothing for the kids to get school supplies which is, like, ridiculous. Here's, what do you mean you don't have money? Here's where I life? am. Here's where I am with this. Because, you know, it, it, it takes me back to football, you know, football, okay. where I'm like, I can't stand when my teammates try to point a finger and blame something. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't get her block, or I didn't hear know the snap count. Like, that makes me want to slap them in the face because blaming gets you nowhere. I'm all about next play. What are we doing now? I don't care about what your whatever, who said, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. That's what happened. I'm all about now and future. What are we doing in this play, and how is that setting up the next play? So at this point, I'm not trying to blame the teachers' union I don't care, blah, 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 who said what to whom and who miscalculated or didn't write what needed to be written. I'm all about what are we doing now? That's why I bring up voting is critical. The other things that need to happen, we need to look at our curriculum in school. I don't know who wrote it at first. I don't know who approved it. But I know from this point forward, it needs to shift. And that's something I work on with my, with my company, creating content creating opportunities that help kids grow, that give them exposure to the possibilities that they can achieve. 
Yeah, and that that's a good thing to do because that's like you said, it helps them out ultimately. It really does. Um, I don't know, you know, what the answers are, but I can tell you right now, uh, I'm a, sometimes I look at that and just scratch my head about certain things just don't happen when it's it's an easy fix, you know, like me and you as an mm-hmm. business owner, right? It's a profitability above anything else. If you don't if you're not gonna be profitable, you're out of business. In the government, if they if they can't meet their budget, they're just asking for more money. Want to mm-hmm. stay within the budget? They don't even want to cut corners. They don't want to make hard hard decisions. So you know, business people like you and me make hard decisions every day. You gotta stay afloat. You gotta make more intake, right? You gotta stay afloat. You gotta get more mm-hmm. networking. You gotta stay afloat. You gotta do what you gotta do. But in in government, it's like they take our taxes for granted. They just assume they're gonna be there. And oh, if I you know if I if I blow it up, I'm you know no big deal. Uh, no, it's not. It, it is a big deal. You got to budget correctly. You got to cut corners. You got to do what you got to do. But ultimately, the results matter. You, just because you have a large budget, that means you should have a lot more results, a lot more positive things coming out of it, a lot of things that could be beneficial. Um, Adrian, so, you know, we talked about police brutality. We talked about George Floyd. Uh, we talked about politics, of course. Um, and I just, you know, I'm glad that you can make the time for me uh, to come on and kind of discuss oh, sure. this whole Always. important you know, topic, of course. And to your point, you know, really voter awareness is really key. You, you've said it over and over uh, in this conversation. And I think a lot of people are not educated enough to spend the time. You know, they get the ballot, right? And they just kind of mm-hmm. just pencil in whoever they got to pencil in. And then they just kind of work with what they got to work. But they don't dive into the individual. They don't dive into the how qualified, to your point, is how qualified is these people on on the ballot, you know, and who's going to make a difference and who's going to really try to do a good job. So I think we have to be mm-hmm. mindful of that going forward. Agreed. Agreed. And I think something else uh, that hopefully the American population is realizing is that the United States is very young. I mean, this country is only 200-something years old. And unfortunately, I felt, again, up until this year, people were operating under, you know, the concept that America was perfect just as it was, you know, it's a superpower, it's a world power. We have all this money, blah, 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 richest nation. So everything must be right. And I think what is occurring now in 2020 is people are realizing, whoa, there's a lot that isn't right. And there's a lot that needs to be rewritten and changed. I mean, I lived in Japan, like that's, you, you go to temples and the temple's been there for a thousand years. And here in the States, this country's 200 some years old. You know, that's a big difference. So the, the type of democracy that the founding fathers created, no one knows how long this type of democracy will be successful in its current state. And that's why we need to realize that the Constitution is not a document written in stone. It's not the Ten Commandments that Moses chiseled into those two stone tablets. The Constitution needs to be viewed as a Word document, not a PDF. It's a Word document where we as citizens, year after year, can continue amending and changing that document so that it is appropriate for everyone who's a citizen of this country. We are constantly changing. This world is constantly changing. 
oh, half of these senators and Congress and everybody in Washington waste happening. their time. It is already I'm talking happening, about they waste their time. It is already happening. It's already happening. I know, but it's like they 50, waste 12 a months was repealed. to anything. It's but we can go into COVID. It's sad. It's sad. Oscar, it's already happening. It's not even about Alrighty. good luck. And that's why I'm so excited about this year. Things have changed. People are legislating new laws. The NYPD mm-hmm. just removed its anti-crime unit. Brianna's law passed. There has been more stuff being put in, written in these books at multiple levels than ever. And I think that's the concept that's important for Americans is not just saying, well, we've got this constitution and it has to be the way it was from 1776 till now. It's like, oh, wait a minute. uh, uh-uh. Too much has changed. We are now more educated. We're pulling back the rug off of things we were trying to hide and we need to start mm-hmm. writing new laws and making changes. And that's exactly what's occurring. So, uh, Adrian, you're you're okay with putting two old farts for the running for the presidency that we're working with? <laughs> that is what we're working with. Oh, that is what we're working with. I was talking to Danielle hey, you know last what? week, and she's like, "When is it supposed to? Be, when is it allowable to go into you know for to you know to go for the presidency? In other words, right?" And I was like, "35 years old. Okay, why do we keep putting 60 to 7 year olds in place?" <laughs> When they get, they don't even have, have no clue about technology or what we're doing today, uh, equipment, <laughs> 5G going forward. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's like you know, we've we've never had an opportunity to like, how many candidates on the Democratic ticket that probably were what 40 something years old, right, or in that range, be under 50 is if you want to call it as as a acceptable level, and all of a sudden we got to put, you know, an older guy against an older guy. I'm like, why? It's like you had options, but nobody wanted to go behind or support that younger, I guess, uh, candidate as an example. So it kind of just makes you scratch your, you know, to the good old boys club. Everybody just decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to stick with and give money to this guy, and we're going to put him on the front ticket. You know what I'm saying? It's like that polit- politically, in other words, when you look at it in perspective, you're like, why did we go this route? You know, why did we go this way? We had options. We had younger candidates, in other words. Yes, I didn't leave you speechless, did I? <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm debating whether I just even need to say this or not. So that's that's what it is. I mean, because I personally know why I called this last year. You did? You know um, why? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Give me knowledge. <laughs> well, you've got to make it. White guy against white guy. It just has to be the really same in or yeah, in order for Trump not. To we win. had other white guys in the t- on the ticket, and we had white women on the ticket. <laughs> like no, what? women won't do it. It it has to it has to be old white guy versus Even old white theory, guy. your theory, because I want to understand the theory. <laughs> for those people who would choose to vote for Trump. It makes it easier for them not to vote for Trump because at the end of the day, they're still voting for someone who looks like him and who they can believe has the same ideals 
that they want in a candidate. If it were Trump versus a female, the votes would go for Trump. If it was Trump versus a person of color, the votes would go for Trump. But now you're in a place where that Trump voter has two identical candidates from which to choose, and it will make him or her feel easier and make that choice easier if the candidate is Biden. So so you're saying it's on it's an equal equal footing in other words choice wise you got two choices so which one it is makes the lesser it easier if if i'm the trump <laughs> vote i mean this was clear this is why hillary yeah, even though right. she won she didn't win because yeah, yeah. too many white women still believed in i you know the white male will take care of me and i can't trust this white woman so they voted for the white male but you case, know, need... you know, in politics, mm-hmm. if you bring too much baggage, it gets so recycled every every election, right? It's it's like driven into your head, it's pounded into your head in terms of baggage, past history, things like that. I mean, even Sean King said, "Hey, he's uh, Biden's been in office for thirty something years as a senator, and he hasn't done anything to help to fix police brutality," as an example. So that was kind of like, oh, that's in that regard too, but. I, I agree with you. I think your theory's on point. I think it, it's really that's what it's the people are going to be, you know, dissecting. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So November third can't come fast enough. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, so Adrian, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you're a busy lady and everything. Um, before we go, uh, I did get my I did get my uh, champs uh, blitz champs. Which is your card game? Oh, awesome! Well, I hope it's I hope yes. it's doing pretty good sales. Uh, card game yes, for jocks yes. and nerds. It's got a hundred cards, and you get instructions in the package. On top of that, it's a two to six player uh, type of concept, ages seven or above, mm-hmm. uh, ten to mm-hmm. thirty minutes, and it's also very educational, right? That's right. It reinforces uh, math skills for kids in grades three through eight. All right, so where can they go get it? it. Uh, I know I got mine on Amazon. Sure, yes. You can go to blitzchamps.com, B-L-I-T-Z-C-H-A-M-P-Z.com, or go straight to Amazon and just type in blitzchamps, and it'll pop up. And if you have Prime, uh, I got mine probably like in a day. So if you got Prime, you get it like right the next day. So just take advantage of it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really good. So I hope it's doing great for you in sales. Hope you're having, you know, success with it. I know it's been on the market for a long time now, right? It's been uh, on the market since 2017. Uh, and just now I recently launched a virtual workshop where um, oh, cool. school groups for Girl Scouts, Pop Warner teams, um, you know, I'll do a, a workshop via Zoom where I talk to the, the kids about my career in football. Then I also speak about uh, being an entrepreneur, how I created the game, and I teach uh, Blitz Champs to the kids all online. It's it's really fun. All right, Adrian, I'm kind of bummed that 2020 didn't happen. You guys were going for that three-peat. Oh, my gosh, I know, Oscar. Oh, we're all so bummed. It, it just, we were so poised. Everything, I mean, we looked like we were in mid-season form uh, in February. It was it was amazing. It's like we just picked up 
from the championship game in Colorado, and we hadn't missed a beat. And so now with the season being canceled due to COVID-19, um, you know, safety first, obviously, but we, we are all, uh, as an organization, it's saddened that we weren't able to go ahead and get that three-peat uh, under our belts. Hey, um, you guys have been so successful. You guys even got a shout-out from uh, Elizabeth Warren, which is – how cool is that? That was cool. That was really cool. It was very, uh, very kind of her, great, very great of her to, to recognize the team in that manner. And your girl, uh, Vanessa Go. On Ultimate Tag, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yes, so she was out there on Ultimate Tag. Game. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome to see. I was, I missed that, and a couple players sent me the notice saying, "Hey, so and so from the Renegades." And so I'm like, "Who is that?" I, I didn't recognize on the roster. And then I kind of go back to the roster. I think it was 2019, if I'm correct. Let's go back to the roster, yes. and uh, so she was on the championship roster in 2019. So yep, she did pretty she, well on that. Yeah, she was on the. She did. She was on the championship roster, and it was awesome for her to be on that show. Very proud of her. Yeah, so pretty cool. There you go. Renegades in the spotlight, too, which is awesome. Absolutely. The more the more press we can get for women's football in general, the better. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, any shameless plugs for your, uh, your uh, ventures? You get the opportunity to do it here. So Harlem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Harlem Hip Hop Tours, you can go to harlemhiphoptours.com or H, the number three, T-O-U-R-S.com, H3tours.com. We do educational field trips, workshops, and content for grades three through 12 um, all around the country. And we even have groups, we used to have groups coming from around the world. Hopefully that will pick up back soon. And then Blitz Champ. Uh, it is an amazing football card game, uh, perfect for ages seven and up, two to six players at a time. And uh, in addition to being super fun, super competitive, and high um, high pace, it's also really good for developing mental math skills, critical thinking skills, and strategy skills for ages seven through thirteen. Awesome. And uh, on the uh, Harlem tours, I, I have you had a modify COVID. Things like that with masks and yeah. are there any like guidelines well, and things like no, that? No, we're, we're not even doing tours like that. Everything's virtually is being done virtually. So we're doing. Uh, oh, nice. We have a, a hip hop art and advocacy uh, workshop that we do virtually. We're doing the Blitz Champs math uh, workshop virtually. We can do um, entrepreneurship workshops virtually. So as of now, uh, nothing physical, nothing actually having groups coming in and touring through New York City but we have uh, some good content available online. All right. So you had to shift like everybody else, right? You had to like modify your business oh, plan to stay afloat. You had to shift yeah. and things. So awesome. Awesome. Uh, to, and I know that was tough for a lot of people, you know, like for myself, it's basically virtual meetings have been forever because I'm on social media all the time and everything, you know, group meetings mm-hmm. and video chats and stuff like that. But for, you know, for brick and mortar people, there was a, ch- a shift that you had to change to and be forced to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And especially with when New York was, we are no longer, but when we were the epicenter of the coronavirus, we had to shift quickly with the quickness. So, uh, but that's part of being an entrepreneur. As you know, you have to be flexible, keep your head on a swivel and constantly stay creative so that you can, um, you can keep your business going. 
Yeah. Adrian, uh, much respect to you. I know uh, uh, nobody else that I wanted to talk to about the, this important issue, but yourself and I uh, reached out to you hopefully, you know, with the time and I knew you were going to make some time for me. So you're always wonderful uh, and an amazing athlete as well. And then you also have uh, your back end uh, actor career that we always uh, kind of check out on <laughs> yeah. your uh, personal pages. So um, pretty cool. Um, but other than that, you're always a moving target, as they say. Thank you, Oscar. I appreciate your reaching out to me. And as always, um, I'm available to, to chat. You always cover, you know, real topics and you get in depth with things. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, safe travels out there. Continued success. And like I said before, if you guys haven't gone to blitzchamps.com, head there now. If you got Amazon, you get it in about a day. So thanks, Adrian, for coming in. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Talk soon. Have a great night. All right, guys, uh, the uh, Wonder Woman, Adrian Smith, uh, legendary WFA uh, All-Star champion and obviously Team USA world champion as well from the IFAB World Championships, the initial titles, and uh, a lot of insights uh, in our interview, a lot of feedback, uh, a lot of things to, to work with, and she's really, really a bright individual, very great businesswoman. Uh, Blitz Champs, if you haven't, like I said, picked it up, you can go uh, just search in Google Blitz Champs cards. You can get it on Amazon and any other format. You can go directly to our website at blitzchamps.com. Um, it's very inexpensive, under $20, and it's a really good educational card game as well. And uh, hopefully you can pick it up and then kind of, you know, showcase it to the kids. It's a really good, and it's a fun game just to have around, especially right now during COVID-19, get a mingle out with your kids and so they don't drive you nuts and stuff like that. Let's go, let's go ahead into uh, going to the next segment here. We're going to be bringing in I, Nate Ward in the house here, and then we should have Mackenzie Brooks coming in here in a little bit, kind of chiming in with us. But uh, if you guys haven't gone to the Hub, go to the Hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties, and then uh, you can guys get the details there. Everything that's happening in the sport, including Utah Girls Football Action 2020, which happened this last two weeks. And we'll dive in that in about in another half hour or so. And uh, you can check it out, everything out, news stories, everything that's happening, including the ISO Journal this week with our own Holly Custis uh, from the WNFC. So you can go to the WNFC uh, on our Facebook, uh, on, on the hub, and you can get it, the ISO Journal from w, WNFCfootball.com. And she's uh, being profiled there as well. So, uh, Nate, how's it going? I'm... Um... Doing all right, Oscar. Hope you're doing well. I've I've missed being here. Yeah, I'm not writing or looting or any of that stuff. I'm I'm good. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. I'm doing great. Um, Nate, uh, well, we talked about it. Um, you know, NFL's going to protest. Probably Adrian Peterson said at the fall uh, 2020. Um, we have COVID still, hopefully that's, you know, if it's COVID, it's going to be empty stadiums. Um, I'm assuming that everybody's going to be in line this time around versus when cap was kneeling before nothing really resonated, but to Adrian's point, we have COVID, uh, sort of put a, a spotlight right on all the issues. So hopefully the NFL players are going to maybe be impactful as, uh, Daniel Harvey and Sherry Waga said last weekend is they have the means to make changes and help enforce and help out, you know, police departments to kind of curb all this brutality against uh, uh, the police brutality situations, like to the case of George Floyd. 
Yeah, they they have the means. I think it's just a matter of how much belief people put in them, especially after the the whole fallout and the 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 whole storyline with with Colin Kaepernick. I think um, I think there's a very big wound there that needs to be sealed up. I was reading that uh, the the article that was shared on the Hub about them saying they were willing to work with Kaepernick, and I think that there's a lot to comb over and i think there's a lot that needs to be you know forgiven and buried before i think there's there's a realistic look saying the nfl is serious about this and it's not just verbiage and you know we say we're going to do this because we saw how that whole thing played out he was dragged into the dirt now granted there were some things he did on his own accord that helped add to that the kneeling was not part of that i totally agree with him on that but once it was you know the the misrepresenting inappropriate socks and his attitude about you know how he wanted his return and his training and all that stuff that was on him as far as the way that they dragged him because of what he did and what he he stood for rather knelt for they have a lot that they need to do to prove that they are serious about this now yeah. the one thing i feel would happen is if they are all kneeling and nobody says anything, there's no punishment, there's nothing, then we have proof that the league is serious about this. But until then, I'm seeing it as all talk. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel that way too. And then a lot of people uh, kind of realize that if he comes back to the league, uh, you know, a lot of people on politics, in other words, they're all like, okay, well, if he comes, if they let him back in, it, it sort of like deteriorates from his whole mission or whatever he was going to try to do originally with the platform or bring attention to the brutality and everything else. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword there, whether he comes back mm-hmm. or does he stand ground and does what he normally does now, or did he just allow the NFL players to t- kind of take the baton now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very sharp double-edged sword. I mean, I, I think uh, on the opposite end, I, I think I stand with the people that, you know, if, if he is brought back and things go according to what the NFL is saying they will do and they want to do and how they want to help, then I see a lot more eyes being directed to that and it, you know, being a broader, broader space and a broader voice to help relay the message. Um, but I do agree that there's also that, that touchy point of does he stand his ground on, you know, not wanting to come back or being very, very picky and very specific about the means on what he, on what, on what he wants to come back by. We had other players that are kind of overshadowed since that happened. Uh, Antoine Bolden's been doing a lot of things, you know, in the communities that he's involved in. So there's a lot of positives that came out of it. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the positives don't get much press because it's not just, you know, everybody goes on negative press or hype or whatever, you know. Uh, but there's right. been a lot of players in the league that have done good things in terms of, you know, working with police departments, working with certain neighborhoods, working with certain groups and things like that. So, I'm assuming that's going to be the case now in terms of like the rest of the players uh, figuring that out. And then it do, it doesn't make sense for the NFL not to acknowledge the fact that, you know, they got to bring attention to this uh, situation. Now they're not going to come out and blatantly said that he was blacklisted because that just makes him look bad. But at this point, it's more of like a PR move, right? It's like, okay, well, we're going to support the players and, and whatever the players want to do going forward. Now we're more than happy to take it to help them out. Oh, it's a huge PR move. I mean, 
you look at most of the stuff that's been done these days, obviously a lot of it has been positive change, but there's definite aspects that have been, you know, following the in crowd and what's big right now and trying not to be put on the wrong side of the fence, lest something bad happen. And I think that's, that's the case with the NFL is they're going, Hey, you know, if we don't do this, if we don't, you know, fall into this, then we're going to be in trouble and people could try to turn other people away. And, but then on the other side, you know, like you said, they only ever, you know, a lot of things only ever show the negative. My, my dad's fond of saying that people are more interested in a car wreck than anything. So that's why they slow down and stop and pay attention. And so as we saw with most of the news articles overall is here's the negative, here's the bad stuff that's happening as part of this. Like you said, on the underlying surface, surface, there's a lot of positivity. And I think that if maybe perhaps if the NFL starts highlighting those regularly, because there's a lot of players that have been doing stuff, they start highlighting those, they, they may be on the right track. But until then, this is a, <laughs> this is a huge gamble and a huge PR stunt is what it's looking like. And I don't think Adele has a choice, right? Kind of put in the pickle. I mean, 80% of your players are African-American <laughs> and you're basically <laughs> a black league, right? So it's not like you have a choice at this point. I mean, if you're sitting there as the president of the NFL right now or the commissioner of the NFL, you really have just one option to really go to the table and, and try to support the players. Oh, by and far. You're uh your, well, I, I wouldn't say reputation is at stake because we've seen what Goodell can do and his reputation is not good, but your your league is on the line. It's not just peop, individual people's jobs. It is an entire league on the line at this point. Yeah, and I, I think, Dan, you all put it best if if the uh, your black players sort of, you know, stand still and don't do anything, then your branding is done. <laughs> so it's kind of like a business necessity to – kind of come to the table at this point. All right. Um, if you guys haven't gone to the hub, as me and uh, Nate have uh, kind of mentioned here, the, the best source on the planet with the best network on the planet, that is us on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. Check it out, everything there, including the latest article from ISO Journal, which includes our very own co-host, Holly Custis. So check it out, and it's uh, part of the WNFCfootball.com, part of the NFC uh, WNFC blog. Um, on IG... If you missed it, the why on WNFC at WNFC on IG, interesting stories with a lot of talented athletes around the WNFC, especially right now with COVID-19. Shouldn't be a problem to go to IG. It's on replay as well, so you can get uh, details there as well. She live on WFLA underscore football. She live uh, on WFLA with the host, Lynx Garcia, and she's got all interviews with all the players that are anticipating to be on the 2021 season rosters, including Gabby Knobs and Sydney Green uh, are going to be in Phoenix for the Phoenix Red Tails. Uh, they are going to be in the rosters 2021. And Nate Ward, the Brazilian invasion happens to, in Arizona. Uh, majority of the players, Ooh. over I think 15 players from the Brazilian Women's American Football League will be on the Phoenix Red Tails squad in 2021, which is awesome, awesome news. You get the roster there at the hub as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, you, you talk about a about a boost and a um, you know something to get eyes on things. That would do it right there. I'm excited. I'm excited. I am excited 
to see what kind of incredible things they can do this season. And we, we see this wave. We talked to Brandon Shelby, remember, uh, a while back, the commissioner, and he was even blown away that there was obviously women playing American football beyond the, the United States. Now he's sort of enlightened right. at the fact that this is a reality. Um, all these players in that are coming to the WFLA, um, I hope they're not going to be disappointed if they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. But the reality is they have the means to pay the players. So that's what we were told. That's what the commissioner said. So if this is the case, my God, we are going to have an international invasion in the U.S., and the WFLA is going to be the benefit of it. Absolutely. We just kind of hope that, you know, like you said, they're not left uh, not being paid. It would be the uh, suckiest thing in the world if they showed up here and then totally got kicked in the shorts. So I'm hoping for the best, and we'll just keep uh, keep an eye on things and keep uh, giving the thumbs up and uh, applauding their, their efforts and see if we get a, a ball on the turf, so to speak. And one of the uh, talented athletes that's going to be heading to the States, including to the Phoenix Red Tails of the WFLA, is uh, the spotlighted uh, athlete at our IG currently right now. So you can go to the IG page at Gridiron Beauties, like the, like the uh, feature there, Melissa Sandu of the Molasses uh, French team, the champion Molasses, multi-time champion Molasses. So uh, right there, um, Nate, a lot of champions from different – parts of the countries, different countries. A lot of the players uh, have played on very top-level teams. It's going to be interesting to see how these, all these players with high-level teams, with championship pedigree, how are they going to gel as, as, as one unit, right, when, once everything gets going here with, with beyond the COVID. Right. That's, and, you know, I was, think, I was thinking about that because it's, it's always an interesting dynamic when you – um, and it's not just when you're starting up the league, but if you're, you know, um, going through a, a whole roster change, bringing in, bringing in people from different aspects, and in this case, different leagues where there may be different nuances in terms of rules and positioning, it's, um, it is always a challenge. But at the end of the day, once you start realizing, you know, your your common ground, anything anything is possible, and I love a lot of the skills that a lot of these players coming in possess. Uh, you know, like we just said, they come from a lot of different championship title winning teams, and so to have them all together, e- even if there's some some setbacks, I see a lot of incredible football happening here, and a lot of incredible action that I don't think we've seen in either women's or men's football in a while. The, the excitement for us, or for us that cover it, me and you as fans, uh, the excitement mm-hmm. is going to be we have two elite leagues in 2020. Two elite leagues in 2020. We're going to see, yes. you know, outstanding women's football in the United States. The WNFC with its uh, second year launch there, and then obviously the WFLA debuting. It's going to be really exciting for fans, and then the platforms that they're going to be on are going to be uh, accessible to everybody. So it's going to be very interesting for us who cover it on a week-to-week basis. It's going to be really awesome to kind of dive into and assess all the plays and the teams and the rivalries and things that are going to come about in, in that sense. Um, the other great news we had was Texas Elite Women's uh, uh, Spartans, Texas Elite Spartans announced that their uh, vet, Angelica Grayson, 
has signed with the University of St. Mary's as the university's first ever head coach for women's collegiate flag football. We had a list hours prior to that. Now we have uh, Angelica Grayson of the uh, WNFC champion Texas Elite. So congratulations to um, Angelica Grayson for that honor. And uh, hopefully she's going to just kill it like she's done all the time. So make that program really stand out in, in uh, college football. I can't wait to see how she does. I was really excited to see that. You know, another another big step in the women's world of uh, of football and expanding into into that 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 college level and in that 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 pro field. I mean, with with the advancements we've seen between NFL and the college level has just been extraordinary. And I can't wait to wait to see how she does in continuing that that advancement. And then the other news, uh, big news, was women's football alliance uh, champion and. Uh, longtime veteran and and Angela Baker of the Pittsburgh Passion, she will get a chance to coach with former Team USC teammate Callie Branson with the Cleveland Browns uh, in in regards to the uh, Bill Walsh Fellowship. So she's going to be going to Cleveland and helping out the Browns at this point. So uh, you can get the details right there at tribelive.com, and that's at the hub on facebook.com for Squared Iron Beauties. So really awesome uh, opportunity for her as well. I'm excited for that. This 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 whole thing with the with with the Browns and what they're doing just it it it's it's got me giddy. I don't normally see say that word and use that word, but um, it's got me it's got me giddy. I'm excited to see how this all comes together and what happens this season with them. I, I have a lot of confidence and I'm I'm really excited to 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 see all these these different um, cultures, different aspects mesh. And it's just going to be fun. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be fun. It's going to be experimentation. I can't wait to see how they come out on the other end. So if you guys haven't checked out the ISO Journal, it's brand new. Just uh, debuted it, I believe, last week from the WNFC. Uh, the first ISO, uh, I think the first couple ISO journals, but the, the previous one to the Holly Custis Journal was uh, featuring Demaya Holiday of the Washington Prodigy. So you can go to the link there at WNFCfootball.com. And you get it there. It's kind of like a Players Tribune type of uh, journal. It's more of a blog, kind of give you insights in terms in terms of the athletes of the WNFC. And uh, so ch- go check it out at the Hub at Facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, the ISO Journal at WNFCFootball.com. All right. Uh, the other news we had was there was football, um, Nate, and it was Utah girls football season action Friday nights under the lights is back and is in Utah. And we're playing varsity, junior, and elementary. So how cool is that? You know, it's nice to see actual football happening. I have been desperate. I have been dying. And to be able to see these girls in action, by the way, you can see that on the hub for those of you interested. Um, and Stella, I love what I have been seeing. Um, they, they, This is not, you know... Most people say, "Oh, it's, it's it's high school level." No, these these girls play with a whole nother level and a whole nother dynamic. That I mean, for those of you that listen in and are brand new to this, I'm a football referee. I referee high school and semi-pro, and this is sort of right in that middle point. They may be high school girls, but they play at a whole nother level. I've been, I was super excited when I heard they were going to play, and to be able to watch them and actually see them look at all the dynamics, they're stellar. They are stellar. I've had a blast watching every game that I can. And this is Sam Gordon's baby. Uh, Sam Gordon's obviously taking it, uh, and her and her and her dad as well. So this is the Sam Gordon's uh, 
you know, baby that they created, the Utah Girls uh, Football League, which is how cool is that? She she has done a stellar job. They've done a stellar job. Um, and, and the fact that they were able to do this from the ground up, that 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 kind of success doesn't happen often. I mean, we're starting to see that with some leagues, like WFLA, for example. But to do this at a level where it's all high school girls, we're not talking peewee, we're not talking professional, we're talking that right in the middle where it is such a difficult dynamic to get in there because I see girls all the time on the youth and then in the professional, to get that on a high school level where girls can gain that experience through their, their junior and high school years and maybe even advance that onto the big teams is extraordinary. And Sam Gordon has done such an incredible job with working with her dad and putting together this, this entire system and just the, the, the players that they've gotten and the success that they've had, it's going to be around for a while. And it's going to be a huge asset in the future as women's football continues to grow. All right, week one, if you guys missed it, you can go follow Utah Girls Football League on Facebook Live, and you get all the games there for Friday, week one, Friday, uh, week two. We're going to recap uh, week one here. Division one, West Jordan, 21-7 to over Copper Hills. We had Brigham, uh, I believe it was 20-7. to uh, over uh, Harriman won. Then we had uh, Saturday, Mountain Ridge, 14-0 over Westlake. Division two in varsity, and we're talking varsity one and two. There's two divisions in varsity. Week one, Riverton uh, loses 26-13 to West Granite. Uh, Lone Peak blows out Harriman, 19-0. Harriman two, 19-0. Utah Valley and Canyons uh, were in a 0-0 tie due to weather issues. And then if you go to the junior side of things, week one, West Jordan, six, they, uh, they get uh, beaten by Hammerman Sting, 18-6. to six. Brigham uh, also loses in a close game, 6-0 to zero over Canyons, uh, West Granite, uh, and Utah uh, Valley. So Granite wins. Uh, there was no score that was given at that point. And then uh, elementary as well, the uh, West Jordan team, 20-0 to zero over Canyons, West Granite, 13-6 to six over Bingham. Utah Valley loses to Hemmerman 13 to 6 in the week 2 varsity uh, slate West Jordan 13 to 6 over Bring, uh, Bingham then you had Westlake uh, fall 14 to 7 over uh, versus Hemmerman 1 Copper Hills falls 24 to 6 to Mountain Ridge Riverton 40 to 19 loss at Lone Peak West Granite uh, uh, loses 14 to 0 at Utah Valley Hemmerman 2 um, zero close overtime game. If you can watch it on Facebook game, so Hammerman two zero to six. They lose in overtime six to zero. Very close game there. Uh, in the junior high ranks, it was West Jordan nineteen to thirteen. Very close game against West Granite. Utah Valley twelve to zero. Really tight games here, as you can tell. Uh, Nick, uh, I mean Nate. Uh, Canyons twelve zero over uh, Utah Valley mm-hmm. loses to Canyons twelve zero. Hammerman staying twenty one to seven losers to Bingham. So the uh, standing so far, uh, the preview for week three, which is June 19th, which is coming up this Friday, uh, Westlake at 1-1, one one, taking on West Jordan, 2-0 and oh in the varsity swing. Uh, Bingham, 1-1 one one versus Copper Hills as well. Uh, Hammerman, 1-1 one, one one versus Mountain Ridge, which is undefeated. Hammerman, 2 versus Riverton. Lone Peak versus Utah Valley. Canyons versus Granite. On the junior side, Utah Valley versus West Jordan. West Granite versus Bingham. Canyons and Hammerman. So 
A really, really good solid season so far. We're going to try to see if we can get Chris Sacco here to kind of speak to it next week in terms of the first three weeks of the season and see if we, she can give us some feedback in terms of, you know, what are the top players in the league and some of the coaches and the best teams that are obviously evolving through the season here. But if you want to get the standings, you can go directly to the Utah Girls Football League. It's on the pin factor there, so you can get it right there and go click it on. It's on a docs document, and you can get the results there. So really, really good action for two weeks, Nate. Um, very competitive, and we're getting down to that you know situation where there's a couple undefeated teams and there's one-and-one teams, so very competitive. Yeah, it's always exciting when you have those undefeated because then the, they've got they've got the target on their back and everybody's aiming to to give them that first loss, and that's where that's you know, and and even the the one ones as well. That's where it gets exciting because that's where you know one wrong move and the standings tilt way out of your favor. Or if you get the win, they tilt very very good in your favor. So I really like this format. I really like the the close games we've had. It shows that they're like I said. There's a lot of action. These players are stellar in what they do. The the games are very interesting, very entertaining. And as the weeks progress, I'm I'm really excited to see how this plays out. It's it's getting intense, it's getting interesting. It's getting- and so we try to follow everything in the sport and we are the best source on the planet with the best network on the planet. I pretty much mention it every week and it is true. And given that factor, we cover Utah Girls Football League, we cover Manitoba Girls Football League. We pretty much cover any of the feeder leagues in terms of junior including over in uh, New Brunswick and Canada, and all, obviously some of the new leagues that are springing up across the country as well. Looking forward to the WFLA Junior League, see how that's going to evolve as well. So uh, everything from the you know feeder ranks to the pros to the professionals at this point, you get it all here at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties and weekly right here on the podcast. So the best network on the planet, it is us, and you all have to do is just go to the hub at facebook.com for Susquehanna Beauties. Appreciate everybody sharing, liking, and commenting on our post. Uh, shares are really greatly appreciated because your shares multiply for a lot in terms of bringing attention to the sport. So any story you like, go ahead and share it. Any post you like from us, go ahead and share it. Really, really appreciate everybody doing that. It brings attention to the leagues, brings attention to the sport. Ultimately, it brings attention to those athletes that obviously play an amazing game of women's American football. All right. So, uh, Nate, I'm probably going to be in October. It looks to me like I'll be uh, October 17th, 18th, and 19th. I will be at the WFLA draft at this point based on my schedule this past week. Uh, things do change, of course, but given the fact that I probably will be there, uh, get an opportunity to meet uh, Lupe Rose, uh, Lynx Garcia, and obviously the commissioner, Brandon Shelby, which is going to be pretty exciting, and all the athletes that will be at the uh, the Super Super weekend event for the WFLA, so I'm kind of excited to go there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to hearing how that goes. That's that's a that's a big opportunity, and especially for Grand Iron Beauties. That's a, that's a huge foot in the door in the relationship we're working to build with them. Um, sounds like they they do have the right intentions and the right mindset. And I'm excited to hear a, a firsthand account from those uh, those tryouts and those trainings and. Uh, yeah, have fun. That's all I can say. Have fun. It should be fun in Vegas. Hopefully all the COVID stuff is lifted. I don't have to worry about so much of that. Um, but other than that, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, teams will be the Combine, uh, and there's a, uh, another couple dates on August and September. So as they get closer, we'll mention them to you. Um, if you need information, you go to the IG page at WFLA underscore football. Get the details there in terms of the Combines. 
July 18th is the Combine, and the draft, like I said, it starts on the Super Weekend, 17th, 18th, and 19th, and that's going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. All right, um, if you go to the Hub, you will notice ultimate tag, and what an outstanding performance by our very own Nojo football athlete, Kelsey Cristiano, just killing it on ultimate tag. If you missed it, it's a replay on Hulu and Fox on the Fox Now app. But what an awesome performance, Nate. She just killed it. If you missed it, please go watch it. It was – I, my jaw was on the floor. That was probably to, – today on the program, that was probably one of the most stellar performances I've seen on there. She knocked it out. And she did. She did awesome. She, she went through it. I had been talking to her uh, for the last uh, month. Uh, she said she couldn't disclose anything, obviously, because it's all confidential at this point. She did say, hey, I'm going to be on, on this episode uh, on this time or whatever, but uh, what, an, what a performance. And you can go watch it on Hulu, or if you get the Fox Now app temporarily, you get like the full one-hour uh, recap and replay of it. So uh, go check it out. Our own Kelsey Cristiano just killing it. And uh, big big prize winner as well. So she's uh, she has opportunity to win the 10000 as well, uh, and she's doing a great job. Go get them, girl. You got this. The other news we had was um, Adidas announced uh, that they are creating a dedicated team to manage and facilitate the increased funding of grassroots programs that support and empower black communities, uh, approximately $120 million over the next uh, next four years will be to ensure all initiatives are sustainable and focused on long-term impact. So this is a big deal because the WNFC and their relationship with Adidas really ensures uh, if year two here is as exciting as year one, we're going to see long-term success for the WNFC, Nate. Oh, I'm ready. Uh, and I, I think Adidas' partnership has done such wonders and such an incredible job for them. You know, you always try to find those, those lifelines and that, that support system, that backbone to, to, to keep you going in, in certain aspects. And I think Adidas has done such an incredible job, not just with the, the WNFC, but with women's football and, and getting that that push as a whole. Um, and by doing this, they really are showing that this is, you know, this is not just a, a small-time thing. We mean business, and we want to see this succeed to the fullest extent. And so I, I give massive applause to Adidas for, for really stepping up their game and really supporting women's football more than I've seen a lot of sponsors do. And then you also give credit to the iFund women, uh, the initiative there with Adidas. So it looks like the WNFC is pretty secure. The the only intangible for them is obviously mm-hmm. what? The product on the field, right? Just got to continue to do what they do on the field. Just excel, get ready, showcase the best uh, best talent on the field. And then obviously they got the backing of a national branding. So that's, that's really cool. The initiative's there. Uh, sustainability for long-term relationship is there. And we talked to Odessa before. It's very important uh, for them to, you know, really continue to support the three stripe uh, initiatives there and uh, Adidas huge supporter of the WNFC and uh, looking to year two as more of an excitement situation. And if they get to that level, Nate, uh, I mean, sky's the limit for WNFC to go pro as well. I mean, we might end up getting two pro leagues uh, at some point down the road in the States, which is going to be awesome. Nothing wrong with that. And it would be, (laughs) it, it, it would be, you know, the the biggest Christmas present I think anybody 
who follows women's football and has been striving for that kind of success for a long time. I think that's the biggest gift they could ever get is two successful professional women's leagues. And then who knows where it could go from there. Like you said, sky's the limit. And I just, I don't even know if the sky's the limit. I think that would be, you know, anything beyond the stratosphere at this point. Uh, If you can get both of those, then anything is possible. And I think it's a good sign for both. A uh, really good sign for, in, especially for the WNFC leadership, the WNFC athletes. Um, and, and it's really uh, going to be interesting to see how the WFLA really impacts the WNFC uh, and vice versa. Right. Because we could have a situation, Nate, where we could have, you know, a financially uh, capable league like the WFLA but let's say the the product on the field isn't as exciting as a WNFC that doesn't have the pay to the pay for players mentality, but they have the better product, right? So now we have a, a situation where we got an oranges and apple my, my mentality, where one's got money, but the product might not be good. The other one's got no money, but the product is awesome. So it's kind of interesting uh, how the sports can evolve in 2020. I mean, 2021. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I. I almost think it, it would almost sound like we would end up having a, a uh, what what was it the AFC versus NFL type of type of situation. So it'll it'll, it'll be interesting, but we'll we'll have we'll, we'll definitely have a lot of football on our hands and a lot to cover back and forth between the two of them, no doubt. <laughs> you mean weekly controversy? <laughs> That's what we're going to be Maybe. doing obviously. <laughs> Let, we don't have to rely on the NFL. That's not the case, but <laughs> what's that? We might not have to rely on the NFL for any type of like uh, weekly topics anymore. We no. might just have to exclusively <laughs> work with WNFC, WFLA topics. That'll be a change. It's actually going to be refreshing to have that kind of change, you know. And to your point, oh, we could end up where refreshing. the uh, AFL and the NFL end up, and uh, ultimately ended into a merger, right? Yeah, I mean that 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 would make things interesting. Oh my gosh, could you imagine that? That would be awesome for both. Just, I mean, for everybody, the, all the be, athletes, would all be. they wanted to do is get paid. So, if the ultimate result is all the players get paid with the salary, then uh, it's what we were working, we've been working for and striving for for a long time. So that would be awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, we get paid too. You know what I'm saying? We'll get some revenue going and right. we end up getting ourselves yeah. oh, paid yeah. too. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'll be a that'd win-win be for everybody. But, perfect. Oh, definitely win-win. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of teams to play with. Um, obviously, we know what the WNFC brings to the table. We already know what their on-field mm-hmm. product brings to the table, logistics, everything else. We talked to Brandon Shelby about, you know, some of the intangibles that they're dealing with with the WFLA in terms of getting up, up and running. So it's going to be very interesting to see two uh, prominent leagues in the States. It looks to me like uh, it was originally slated for 32 teams in the WFLA, but I really think it's going to be more na- more narrowed down to maybe 12 to 20 on a realistic level. I think there's only about 10 right now currently or 12. So I don't know if they, between now and launch if it's they're going to expand more teams or they're going to just sit at that 12 or 15 mark where they're just going to, you know, basically open with half of their uh, original statement was. Last The last schedule I saw, it looked like they almost had, like, between 8 to 12. They hadn't really decided yet. But if they – I mean, 
any any league would love to start with at least twelve. I mean, if they have twenty, that's that's an added bonus. But I'd say you know at least twelve is a is a decent start because you're beyond what most leagues even you know even strive to get when they start. Most settle for anywhere from from four to eight if they're lucky. Yeah, and I think it's good. it's a good start because I think if they do twelve, it's a it's a kind of like you know kind of a feel as to what they're able to do. If they're able to kind of monitor 12 and do a real good job with season one, then they can add two or three for season two. You know what I mean? And then they kind of just start toward that 32 goal that they originally had planned. Um, right. They obviously are not like Mitchell Mortaza where he's promising 32 teams by 2024, which I don't believe that's going to happen, but you know how that goes. Yeah. Oh, I do have um, – I don't know if you saw it. I do have some breaking X-League news on that note. Um, Go ahead. Looks like it came. Looks like it came up just before you came on with the podcast. Uh, they did announce that they will unveil their 2021 uniforms on the new Sweet Level Access show on June 23rd. So, probably by the time that we get on, we will have something to discuss when we get to that segment. All right. So keep us afloat on that and give us some notes. Uh, let me know if we have to do a share and then go that go that route as well. Um, we're actually kind of excited. We have women's football for, uh, in Finland. It's going to be July, 2020. We're going to, you know, basically dive into, uh, the SAJL in Finland on top of the Utah. So Friday nights at the hub, you can get the link to the Utah girls football league. You get catch all the games Friday and Saturday. And then in starting July, 2020, we are going to be uh, exclusively covering Finland, uh, the, the SAJL in Finland in terms of their season launch and, and gets in, up and going. Um, if you guys were inclined, I know you guys saw the post at the hub. Uh, the UK Dukes is doing a GoFundMe. Uh, they're trying to put out a nice educational uh, American football style cartoon uh, kind of book. And they, so far they've raised about 1250 So if you guys are inclined to support them, there is the GoFundMe uh, click. You go click on that and you can donate anywhere from a dollar five or whatever. It gets converted to British pounds. And so, uh, you know, shout out to the UK Dukes and our girl out there, Phoebe Sketcher, uh, who's created this little um, little project here. It's, a, it's like a football book, the Dukes, Aaron and the Dukes. And it's a pretty cool uh, design as well. It's kind of like a cartoon type of uh, children's book. So it's pretty cool, Nate. I saw it, uh, the, some of the uh, feedback and everything else. Everybody's kind of excited to have it come to life. Yeah, uh, I I honestly um, cannot wait. You know, th- those kind of things are they're, are always fun. It kind of keeps the um, be the the momentum flowing. You know, it just kind of oh gosh, how would I describe it? It just it it kind of kind of keeps the the spirits up, keeps the football juices flowing. It's always fun. Yeah, and we have one matchup coming up on June uh, June twenty seventh. And that's going to be Sin City Trojans on their independent schedule. They are going to be taking on Rio Grande Heat, June 27th. Uh, you can get the details at the hub. We're going to go ahead and re, re uh, reshare that post from the Sin City Trojans. And you guys ever in Vegas? Get some tickets there. Be there live. I know all the WFLA um, girls are going to be in Vegas, from what I understand, to support Lexi DeMeo and the Sin City Trojans. So pretty pretty cool and if you missed it go to ig check out the uh, beautiful and talented melissa sandu of the uh, french champion molasses 
Uh, and so if you go to the IG page at Gridiron Beauties, go ahead in there. And we are having, at the beginning of the hour, I kind of mentioned it, so Zazzle sales, uh, we're doing great on Zazzle sales. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of delay in shipping because of COVID-19. Certain factories that Zazzle produces some of the stuff uh, are in delay, so I want to just make sure everybody's aware of it. I apologize for that. Um, they obviously are working their hardest to get it resolved, and because of everything that's happening with, with the COVID-19, there are going to be some delays with the, some shipments, so I appreciate everybody's patience, and Zazzle has been our supporter for almost eight years. They're a great company, and uh, unfortunately, you know, they're dealing with the same concepts and things that other companies are dealing with. So, so Nate, um, just a little delay, but everybody can get their uh, no-joke football gear at, at some point, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. Get your get your gear, guys. You know, little delay is better than uh, not getting anything at all. So, you know, look look past the factor delayed and just get your gear and continue to continue to support. Like like I always say, your your listenership, your viewership, and your uh, your support is what what keeps us going. We love what we do, and we love being able to uh, not only report to you guys on women's football, but support these ladies in everything that they do. We um, you know, we're, we're probably the biggest backers of women's football I can think of today. All right. You guys check out our new shirts at Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Um, you can go there. we got a couple new shirts, Eat, Sleep, No Joke Football, Repeat, Ability is what you're capable of doing. Uh, the Show Up and Shine shirts, as well as the popular one now, Football Was a Man's Sport. And check it out. It's about uh, – Anywhere from, uh, depending on the style of shirt you want, from $18 to about under $30. So check it out right there. And if you have any uh, codes, use those daily codes as well. Otherwise, you can do uh, basically go into the uh, page and you get the codes there as well. So check it out at Zazzle.com forward slash Grabberies. All right, Nate, I think that's it. Uh, we covered everything. Thanks to uh, Adrian Smith, the legendary WFA champion and Team USA champion, for coming in talking about George Floyd, police brutality, politics and everything uh, that is we're dealing with right now in terms of what's happening in the world. And then don't forget, you guys, Pride Month as well, like we mentioned at the beginning of the hour, so take advantage of that the whole month. I know it's kind of overshadowed by COVID-19. And don't forget to check out the article of our very own Holly Custis on ISO Journal for the WNFC at WNFCfootball.com. Thanks, everybody, for Nate Ward, the absent Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you here next week for 326. Don't forget to share and subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Catch you here next week. Thanks.